0: This episode of Todd Versations is brought to you by Envy, the ultimate Apple experience. Learn more about Envy at EnvyApple.com. Welcome. We're glad you're here hanging out with us today. We hope you're having a good day. That's always my wish for everybody to start off and have a good day. I feel like if everybody has a good day, the world might be a better place to live. We all try hard to have a good day. What do you think about that theory, David? Pretty basic, but I think it works.
1: I'm too busy having a good day to respond. <laughs>
0: God bless you, David. I love that very much. Folks, we've got an interesting guest going to hang out with us today. David Page is here. He's an author of the book called Food Americana, which is a really cool read. He is a producer, creator, two-time Emmy Award winner, creator of Diners, Drive-Ins and Dive. Yes, we got TV royalty in the house. Everybody. Give a little bit of the up and down, a little flow to the TV royalty right here. I'm loving it. Everybody, he's the president, executive producer of Page Productions. Please, everyone, give it up. Stop your car. Get off the treadmill. Get out from underneath your desk. Welcome, David Page. Sir, it's an honor to have you today.
1: That's an honor to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's
0: absolutely my pleasure. You say it's an honor now. Let's get through the half an hour and see how you feel about
1: it Okay. Yeah, that,
0: I'm fine. I'm totally open for judgment. I appreciate you being here and hanging out with me today, and if you wouldn't mind, I'm really looking forward to chatting about your journey, talking about your book, what you've done, what you've created. Again, food royalty in the house. And so we're going to have fun talking about that. And I'm going to pick your brain about food in America because I think that's a topic that needs a lot more conversation. No two ways Absolutely. about that. So if you wouldn't mind, like I do with all my guests, can you give everybody just a quick little bio on who you are and what you're about and uh, you know, hanging sure. out with me today? And don't forget Fred the Beagle. I want to talk about Fred the uh, Beagle.
1: Fred the Beagle. Uh, I spent most of my career, uh, half a century or so, in broadcasting. I began typically, as people did in my era, as a high school aged disc jockey on the local radio station. Oh, what
0: were you spinning? What were you spinning?
1: Oh, it was uh, Carol King and James Taylor and American oh. Pie. It was. Oh, yeah, was you're going after stuff, girls. Still yeah. with us today. Uh, from there, I chased radio jobs all across the country and uh, ended up in television in Kansas, uh, in Wichita. Mm, boy uh and then worked my way up uh uh, i got into investigative journalism i was an investigative reporter at tv stations in uh houston um and atlanta and phoenix actually uh and then ended up getting picked up by nbc as a producer uh worked out of the chicago bureau then got sent overseas where i was lucky enough i lived first in london then frankfurt then budapest uh where i set up to get ready for the fall of communism. I was lucky enough to cover some of the biggest stories of the 20th century. I walked through the Berlin wall the night it opened. Um, Wow. Came back, came back to the States, became a show producer, uh, co-created the weekend editions of the Today Show, uh, line produced GMA, uh, senior investigator producer for 2020. And then I went out on my own, opened a production company, and starved uh, until an unlikely hit. Uh, I got a hit with diners, drive-ins, and dives. Yeah, Did the first 11 seasons of that, uh, then moved on. Uh, My most recent food-related venture was Food Americana, uh, a book that uh, I had long been gestating about what exactly American cuisine is Uh, And now on top of that, I'm working on another book, but I'm also doing a syndicated radio show called Martini Music, all about the music of the 30s, 40s, and into the 50s. Frank, Count Basie, that sort of thing.
0: I love it. There's nothing better than that. I love a good Martini music. I love that. Well, yeah, yeah, with your background in the news and the world today, I I, I mean, I got to open up this question first and foremost. Talk to me a little bit what you think about the news media today.
1: Well, uh, first of all, there is some extraordinarily good journalism being done. Uh, The New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Atlantic, ProPublica. ProPublica has been uh, breaking all that news about Clarence Thomas. There is also some extraordinarily bad journalism being done. In some cases, on purpose. I mean, Fox News slants things and tells untruths on purpose. In many more cases, however, um, it's because of ineptitude and cost cutting. And I'm uh, um, mm. spe- I, 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 This is different in television than newspapers. And newspapers they're simply going out of business at the local yeah. level, in, in because of the the few that remain are being bought by venture capitalists and their interest is not the first amendment having said that tv news is a is a huge disappointment to me at the national level these days not because of intentional spin or intentional fake news i don't buy that argument but because um being seen as a profit center by the corporations that own them their their uh, cost cutting Uh, every way they can i mean nbc is hardly flying anyone to a story if you listen to the tag outs they're all joe blow nbc news not joe blow nbc news where the story is happening and beyond that for programming reasons they think to attract younger viewers they're hiring younger and younger people who have not been seasoned through years of local journalism as happened in my day Uh, And they've gotten uh, standards have dropped in terms of when when I worked for NBC, there was a guy named Gil Milstein, who was the last word with respect to word usage and grammar for every single script. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. And I just sit at home and throw my shoe at the screen because it appears nobody can write grammatically. And they have there's a whole other thing going on in network news now, which is Consultants have told them to to try to make the stories more urgent, so you don't get a full sentence anymore. You get fragments ing verbs. Um, so no, I don't. I don't have a really high opinion of uh, mainstream television news. I certainly don't have a high opinion of cable news. Um, but I still think there is a substantial amount of really good journalism yep. being done in this country.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think if you want to find if you want to find good credible journalists, they're out there to be found. Uh, they're just not as easy to find anymore. They're just not on every channel. They're just not what they are. You're right. That the news has become I don't even know if it's news a lot of the times. It's just a lot of it's just how do we get people to get excited, angry, pissed about this? Well angry, uh, all of it.
1: Yeah. How do we get people to watch? Is yeah. what it what is. Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's simply about ratings. And yeah. when that is so uh, instrumental in your decision making. You're not going to make the best decision all the time. 100%. Yeah, it's, it's amazing when you start.
0: It's amazing, you know, and I think social media has done that for a lot of folks, too. It's, 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 it's brought the world in real time, much different than what it was pre-social media. And I think people now are having an opportunity of, of deeper diving because they have so much information in the palm of their hands. Yeah, but
1: I am so, so um, skeptical of anything on social media. Oh, you I know, thought it was some, all true. It's will- not all true? Yeah, someone will say to me this was on Twitter. I'll say, okay, who posted it? Did they write it? Is right. it you know it, I, I, yeah, have I a real a hard time? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm not getting a lot of political advice advice from athletes, right? I, I'm not looking at that very hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read it. I'll consider it. Like, you know, I, no. and I always and I always say it's like look. And part about this platform, I always say, it's like, look, I'm not going to tell you what to think, but I'm certainly going to put you in position to think. And I think that that's a really important thing. And that's the same thing when I look at when I read this. It's like, all right. Well, when I,
1: when I hired for my production company, I was far less interested in your television experience than I was in your, crea- your, your uh, curiosity. Yeah. Good point. I, I, I want smart, curious people. That's it. If someone says to you, the sky is blue, Go find out why this guy is. blue.
0: Guy's blue, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah I, I'm. I'm the same way. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm worth. I'm. When I write these shows, I do all my shows. I pre-produce. You know, pre-produce all these. I go through the motions. I take everyone because I want you to know. Because I want to do the research. I don't. You know, I, I think. I think it's worthy of my time and energy to get back, so I can at least have a conversation and be you know a little bit more informed. But I think that's really something that's important: is getting informed and being informed. Right. Putting that's, the effort out. It's huge. It's huge. Well, let's. You know, thank you for that. That was great. I appreciate that perspective because I knew. I knew you had a very good one. From from where you sat and what you've done over your career. So let's talk a little bit. Talk, let's talk about Triple D and how diners, drive-ins, dive came about. Let's get that set up and moving forward. And I got a bunch of other questions. I want to get into food in America with you because I think it's going to be okay.
1: awesome. So you want to know where diners, drive-ins, and dive. Yeah, came.
0: throw the concept out. Came okay. about the, the the story of how you you know, the story of the name, the story how you you know it, it came about. It's it's pretty damn cool. And I don't think people realize it.
1: I uh had opened a production company and was mm-hmm. uh starving. Nobody was, I couldn't, I couldn't sell a show anywhere. So I called Al Roker, a friend of mine who had actually been on the weekend today show when I was the co-producer and he has a production company. And I said, Al, you got any work you could throw my way? He said, yeah, I'm doing a lot of stuff for the food network. So that's when I became a food journalist and I did a fair amount of stuff through his production company. And, you know, it was clear that I wasn't going to establish a real business subcontracting. So we agreed I should go out and pitch them on my own. And I was pitching the food. Now that I had entree to the network, I was pitching and pitching and pitching and getting nowhere. There was just, <laughs> it was a, a litany of no thank you. I had done Four Al's company, a history of the diner for them. And one day, in the midst of yet another phone call where uh, this lovely woman who was willing to talk to me was turning down all my ideas, she finally said, Do you have anything else about diners? And I said, Oh, yeah, I'm developing a show called Diners, Drive Ins, and Dives. And I told her all about it. And she said, Well, that sounds good. We have a development meeting Tuesday. Get me a write up by Monday. And I hung up the phone and thought, Well, on the one hand, this is great. On the other hand, I just pulled this out of thin air. In I, air. <laughs> I was not developing a show called Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives. I made up the name on the spot. I made up the show description on the spot. Now I had, I don't know, a, a weekend's worth of time to make phone calls. Uh, that was back when people made phone calls. Yeah. And I researched enough to put together a pitch for a one-hour special and I sent it to her, and lo and behold, uh, they bought a one-hour special.
0: I love it. It's yeah. pretty, I, I love it's on the fly. That's the best part of the whole story. It was it's completely like, oh,
1: BS. Love then, after the show was not intended to be anything other than a special, what had happened right. was this was back in the early days of the Food Network Star Contest, when they still thought that the winner of that contest could become a legitimate Food Network Star. It's only happened once, and, and and that's with Guy. But at the time, they didn't know any better, and they wanted to keep Guy in front of the public uh, and then give him a primetime show. So they figured this would keep him in front of – I mean, I didn't come up with using him. They told me to use him. But they figured this would keep him in front of the public while the big-deal production companies who were going to pitch them on the, the series uh, got their act together. The bottom line, however, is that they didn't like those pitches, and the special had rated very well, so they took a gamble on a short first season of Diners. Uh, After it was pretty clear that it was doing well, they tamped down my enthusiasm by telling me, you know, this is going okay, but we don't think this show has more than a couple of seasons in it because there aren't enough restaurants. Yeah. Well, I I bailed out after season eleven. They're now in season forty-six or something. So right. to quote William Goldman, the great screenwriter, Goldman has a rule about Hollywood. Goldman's rule is no one knows anything. <laughs> That's very true. That's well, true. There you go. <laughs> I love it. well, let's talk about it. so you're there for
0: eleven, and I'm and gonna get a little bit of the backstory, as much as we can dive into, but talk about a little bit about how. The 11th season came about and, and, you know, based on what I've read, you know, I said, you're kind of the original got canceled guy. Uh, can you share a little bit of the story or just whatever you can well,
1: uh, look the 11. I, I was very lucky in that for 11 seasons, I got to execute my vision. It yeah. happens like once in a career. And this was, I mean, every episode of this show ended up going through my editing computer. Um, I was I was lucky enough to work with some very talented people, but to be quite blunt, this was my baby. And I got one opportunity to to do that. Um, Also, Guy is an incredible natural talent. He was green as hell, and I will um, take the credit for teaching him television, but he learned it very, very quickly. And he has the natural ability to connect through the lens and he also had the freedom um whether he realized it or not to make mistakes or commit excesses because i was there to protect him uh quote from himself i that that applies to any talent absolutely Uh, when i asked when i was first learning to do control rooms jeff zucker was working on the today show and i asked him what's the number one job of a control room producer? And his answer was protect the talent. Um, So um, I had a lovely opportunity to impose my standards. For example, the same editorial standards that I imposed on scripts when I was supervising investigative pieces, I applied here. Mm -hmm. To the best of my human knowledge, nothing on this show was untrue. Nothing was stretched, uh, which is highly unusual for reality TV. Um, but I had a wonderful time, and, and I'm thrilled with what what happened, what I produced. And then in the end, uh, there's a great story I can't tell you because um, I'm precluded by legal agreement.
0: Yeah, I kind of figured that was going to be where we ran it out, but I figured it was yeah. worth just throw it out on the table and talk about. So let's get the hell off of that. I'm done with that. That's, That's okay. That. No, 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 it's fine. Well, look, there's a hell of a lot more going on between your ears and Triple D, that's for sure. And I want to get into that, especially okay. some of the stuff that's going on in this, in this crazy world of ours. You know, you have brought a tremendous amount of attention to food. There's no two ways about it. I mean, you have. Thank you. Yeah, you really, really have. That's why I said TV food royalty in the house. Right? I got to throw the props where the props are due. But talk to me a little bit. I want to talk a couple things, one of which, why do Americans have such a love for fast food?
1: Well, um, to some extent, it is physically addictive. I mean, fast food hits the salt, fat, and to some extent, sugar receptors in our brain. Um, But it uh, it started back in the 50s, really, when America, white America, this never applied to minorities of any kind, but when white America came back from the war, and things were great you had the gi bill you could afford a car and people started buying cars and eisenhower started building highways and suburbs got created and all of a sudden we were living in our cars it was the freedom to yeah. go where you want do what you want and that included the uh, invention well not invention but the 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 um uh, the addition of drive through fast food restaurants to every highway interchange. Yeah. And we just kind of dug eating in our cars and driving wherever we wanted. And that has continued and now been exacerbated to some degree by the fact that we're a go, go, go nonstop society. It doesn't mean that we're efficient. Europeans work far fewer hours than we do, and are just as efficient in terms of uh, what they produce. But we're always running here and running there, and the whole concept of grab and go is now ingrained into our into our heads, into our society.
0: Yeah. Uh, now there
1: are attempts to quote improve fast food. You know the the so called better burger genre, like Five Guys um I guess you could argue that Chipotle which is really what they call fast casual but that Chipotle style restaurants where you you pick it up and you run that 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 all of that is is now part of our fast food culture
0: yeah well for sure and, and, and with that being said it leads me into where I want to talk about a little bit next when we think about food here in America and that's you know, let's talk about this cell cultured meats and cell cultured food and the plant-based craze and that we're going to talk about bugs when we talk about bugs but what are your thoughts about all this especially the cell cultured stuff
1: well look um if you well oh, that's the cat not the dog if you um if you want to eat vegetables eat vegetables enjoy vegetables right. I've never understood the concept of wanting to make vegetables taste like steak if you're a vegetarian be a vegetarian uh, luxuriate in 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 vegetables if you want to be a vegan which to me is insane but knock yourself out um go right ahead don't eat anything that was put on earth to be edible um but i i'm, I'm not a real fan of fake food of any kind so um I'm not big on uh, fake hamburgers made out of grain. First of all, no one has proven to me that they make a significant improvement to the um, you know, carbon footprint of the world. And secondly, they're processed as hell. Yeah. Uh, and thirdly, they're not as good as a good hamburger. Um, if you're going to eat food, eat food that's good. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't necessarily mean organic and certified. Just eat some real food, cook it, enjoy it. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. And I, I,
0: I've, I've tried some of this stuff before here at the house. And I will tell you, and I've said this before in the air, it was one of the worst cleanups I've ever had in my entire life. It was, I I, I literally wanted to throw away an expensive pan in the kitchen because like I can't get this, screw it. I th- I can't clean it. It was that bad.
1: Well, it's, it's like, it's, it's crazy. It's like that wonderful meme on uh, on the internet. Cooking tip, if you add peanut oil to your kale, it makes it easier to scrape into the garbage can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> see? And, that's yeah. an, and there you go that's a healthy oil right I love yeah. that but no what I mean so what do you when you know what do you think about the, the the way bugs are now becoming a big part of the conversation well you know, they're
1: I mean, not you, hey, look they're becoming a part of the conversation in two different ways one foodies I put quotation marks around it I'm not yeah. fond of the word people food snobs people who have to tell you how cool they are because they're into the latest thing in food um, may want to eat bugs because it's the coolest thing to do. Insects have long been a part of other cultures' cuisines. I sure. mean, they sell um, roasted grasshoppers, I guess fried grasshoppers, at Seattle Superson- uh, Supersonics. That team has been going for years. You're going old school. I mean. Woo, at Seattle Mariners games, yeah. and they've become um, a popular dish. Well, they've been a dish in Mexico and I'm assuming elsewhere in central or South America, but I don't know that for a fact for a long time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, secondarily, uh, the protein from insects is going to play an important part in feeding an overpopulated world. Um, that doesn't mean it's going to play its part in Toledo, but, uh, in other cultures that are more receptive to it and in places where there are no choices. Um, Insects w- will be important. Do I personally wish to eat insects? No. no. Um, is there any real reason for my saying no? No, it's just the the cultural ick factor to me. On the other hand, um, I'm far more open to eating awful um, interior body parts of mammals than many, if not most Americans are, and that has long been. A part of many cuisines, I would probably say most, because um, let's face it, we're wasteful, and mm-hmm. uh, many other cultures, c- countries, cuisines uh, could not afford to be. Yeah, that
0: very well said. i having the experience overseas of trying some different stuff. It's uh, it's different. It's it's not going to kill you. Uh you, I think it's it's more subconscious than it is anything else. It's at right here to your mouth type. It's like, ah, do I really want to do this
1: moment? Well, but it's also it's also something that it's like, how many dimensions do you experience food in? Right. We, for some reason, are not big on multiple textures. Mm -mm. Chinese culture, which which is a variety of regional cuisines uh, and in many cases, people with vastly different backgrounds. It's a large country. But Chinese culture, for the most part, prizes a variety of textures in a meal, Uh, which is why when I went in my book, uh, I write about going to a large food hall in, in Queens in New York which caters to immigrants, uh, not, um, non-Chinese, uh, the, the array of, of textures available in, in a dish called dry pot where you pick your own ingredients. Um, a tendon was jelly-like, um, there was artery, there was tripe, there, there were all sorts of interior, um, organs, Right. And that variety of texture as well as flavored was, uh, flavors was prized. So, you know, we're you can make an argument that we as Americans um, are kind of limiting in, in what we're willing to taste or learn to enjoy. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. caviar is only popular because it's a sign of affluence. Uh, I happen to like caviar, but I bet you there's a lot of people who order it who don't.
0: Yeah, I would think you're probably right. A lot of people can't get past, they can't get past the concept of
1: right. I mean, no. that's
0: part of it, right? They're stuck, they're stuck and in the what mental are you block. willing
1: to experience? In other words, Correct. for me, and one of the reasons I like caviar is I spent a lot of time in the Soviet Union when it was the Soviet Union in the old days, where pretty much <laughs> all they had to sell you for dollars was caviar vodka and Cuban cigars. Um, but the experience of eating good caviar where you bite into the individual egg and it sort of explodes with this, this, this fresh seawater taste. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that. A lot of people don't. No, I get it. No, it's, it's, well, you know,
0: here in the United States, it's interesting because I, you know, I I think back and it kind of leads me to one ahead next show. Taco Bell would be the the company that's probably been credited with uh, teaching America more about Mexican food than probably anybody else, and I don't even know if they call their food Mexican. Not cuisine. teaching
1: more about well, I it, say- making ahead. it an option. Okay, fair. See, up. Glenn Bell uh, had a hot dog stand in Riverside, California, and he used to go across the street to eat at a Mexican restaurant that is still there today, and they made um, fried tacos. Where you mm-hmm. take the tortilla one at a time and you drop it into the oil and it fries and then you add the rest of the taco, and he noticed that a fair amount of gringos were were eating there as well, and he thought to himself, if I could find a way to do that quickly, because mm-hmm. at the Mexican restaurant it wasn't a quick process, um, I might uh, I might do okay with this, and he came up with. He was not the first to invent or patent this. Someone else had done it earlier, but he claims he came up with his own or claimed. I think he's passed away. A kind of device that you'd put the taco shell in, dip it in the oil. And that way he was able to mass produce crispy shelled tacos. It was his expansion of what became a chain across the country that brought quote unquote Mexican food however um, however similar or not similar to the way it was eaten in Mexico that brought Mexican food to communities throughout the United States, mm-hmm. which then opened people's eyes up to the possibility of eating this kind of food, which meant that when actual Mexican restaurants opened up, they had a, an audience. Um, and when I say Mexican restaurants, let's understand, that, as I explained in the book, There are a variety of cuisines that we have adopted and modified and evolved to our own tastes, such as Mexican-American, Chinese-American, Italian-American, that, uh, you know, foodies will decry that these are not authentic. I hate that word. They are not as eaten in their home country. They are an evolved and new cuisine of their own, and they have value as such. I mm. mean, General Chow's chicken, as eaten in America, bears very little relationship to General Chow's chicken as invented um, on Taiwan. Right. And there's a great documentary in Search of General Chow where uh, the writer Jennifer H. Lee actually tracks down the guy who invented general chow's chicken in taiwan Uh, i'm not sure he lives there today she found him somewhere and he was like appalled by what we love which is a chinese american dish and it's great if you want to have a coronary i mean it's a wonderful thing Where was I going? I think I've completely <laughs> lost track. Yeah, you, you, you haven't.
0: You're you're spot on. We were going down the track of Taco Bell and what it means and everything else. Because I was I was, you know, look, America's a there's no two ways. And you've summed it up. America's a melting pot of food. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, one of the things and by I the way,
1: food evolves everywhere. Do you know what one of the most popular dishes in China is today? You want authentic Chinese food? Scrambled well, eggs and tomatoes made in a wook. Yeah. Yeah, So, so I, you don't take, think that's Chinese food, do you? But it is. Uh, I, yeah. Well, I think, again, I, it,
0: it's, you know, and I think about our country, too. And I start to thinking about how do we value food in this country, right? And, and do we understand the where and the how and the why of food, which I think is dangerous that we don't in a lot of ways. I think it's important that we recognize that. Um, you know, and, and I think, too, we don't always think about the impact that food has, whether it's, you know, all aspects. Obviously, our health is one, but what it does to the planet, you know, resources, You know, all of these different things are at play. So when I think about America and what, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, we just came back from spending a couple of days with some friends up in the Poconos. And the high point of that was sitting around the table having a meal. Right. And and shooting the bull. Uh, Food is especially in a time of human separation where people live on their Facebook accounts, sharing a meal together is as emotionally satisfying and important an event as as you can possibly engage in.
0: 100%. Um,
1: it's, ugh, it's so important. I mean, you know, you, you see cultures in their food. The Greeks, who um, are known for their their the small plates that are shared among everyone at the table. They have a very social um, culture. And um, Epicurus, who actually was a philosopher, and the word Epicurean comes from there, wrote that when you are planning a meal, first you should decide who you're going to dine with before you even choose the food. Food. Was to dine alone is to dine like a wolf. Um and I guess he didn't like the way Wolves dined. But no, the 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 so when I was when I went overseas, I had never considered leaving this country. Just hadn't, you know, hadn't occurred to me. Sure, sure. Then I got a call one day saying you want to move to London. And I said, uh, okay. And they said, well, hang on, you're one of two candidates. Thanks. Anyway, I ended up moving to London, then Frankfurt, then Budapest. And I went overseas tasked with covering events in Europe, Africa, and the Middle East with a typically American lack of knowledge about the rest of the world. And I quickly found myself having to learn about places that I was covering. And I found that one of the great ways to learn about a country's history, culture, um, societal emotions was by eating their food, hopefully – with locals um 100%. which worked well except for the time i said to our drivers and fixers on my first trip to austria i want you to take me to your favorite restaurant and it was a texas ribs joint <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey well did Thanks you try the happen. ribs
0: did you try the ribs they were lousy there you go. Thank you. That's all I wanted to hear. I was yeah. I knew that was going to be it. Yeah, kind of the Austria. Uh,
1: Austria makes some great beef dishes or or venison or pork. Yeah. being one of them. Uh, but they're not that good with Texas ribs.
0: Yeah. All right. I can see that. I can see that. But what an opportunity though. Now they got a bar to Oh, rip, it's right? great.
1: It's just yeah, great. I love it.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about your book because it's it's uh Food Americana. It's a it's a super fun ride, it's it's engaged, it's got great reviews. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's really, really cool. And it's it's a compilation of stories about, you know, America's love for food by best way to kind of throw it all up. So talking about all we've talked about come from these different angles. And I love what you said about getting immersed in cultures about the food. I I find that to be so incredibly accurate in, in my travels. Some of the greatest experiences I had when I was in China was eating in China, not necessarily sightseeing in China. It was the groups, right. it was the food, it was the experience, all that. So, my first question, thinking about your book and thinking a little, coming back into kind of this country a little bit, what is American cuisine? Because I struggle with that question. I thought about that, like what I mean, going back to what the Pilgrims ate, grains and lobsters and. Nuts, wow. I mean, what is it, right? American I,
1: American cuisine is a melange of dishes that we took from immigrants Mm -hmm. mostly uh there's also food that we adopted from native americans but it's foods of other cultures or cuisines that we adopted here and then modified to our taste or to what was available um and as i said earlier uh mexican-american chinese-american um fried chicken which uh is um uh thought to have been descended uh uh, from yeah from from west africa great lineage
0: from the lord above great lineage but not just west
1: africa it was also um from scotland yeah uh so and we took all of these foods and we kind of made our own selections from them And it's kind of interesting because I I have a line there. And, you know, if you're going to define something, you have to define it. It's cuisine that you would turn to without thinking at any Mm. time. And that is available everywhere, which is why I consider sushi part of American cuisine. But I don't include Thai food because while it's extremely popular in some places it's not yet the automatic go to um a woman who is a mm-hmm. ranking executive at one of the largest prepared sushi companies in america explained to me that when she was in high school and she and her friends grabbed a quick lunch it was burgers for her right. daughter and their friends it's sushi yeah which is you know available everywhere now Yeah. Now, well yeah you, get, you get sushi of, at the well, go ahead at the supermarket at the 711 yes well much of what we eat as sushi is vastly Americanized yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I found a, a sushi bar in a gas station in Oklahoma, um, where most of their sushi rolls are deep fried. Yeah, well, they make the roll, they toss it in the deep fryer. Cause remember, this is the part of the country that lives on chicken fried steak. Right. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, so I'd look, you, you, you you take you take a sushi connoisseur in America, excuse me, and you send them over to Japan. You put them in a in a restaurant to try to have sushi. It is absolutely the polar opposite of what they expect here.
1: But you can get that here if you want to go. If you to, want, right? Um, uh, the name will now escape me, but in New York, the sushi restaurant that is the most expensive restaurant in New York, um, that is traditional Japanese sushi. That, that is the sushi you you would find Correct. at a high-end restaurant over there but we've gone a hundred different directions with it and and that's fine yeah. That's perfectly fine when, when you think about everything we've kind of just talked about we we'll go back to
0: plant-based and cells and and you know bugs mm-hmm. and things like that where do you think food is heading heading now culturally in america do you think it just stays the same do you think it becomes better do you think it's
1: i, I do you think, think it goes? i think it is a slow inclusion of a wider variety foods from other countries or cultures mm-hmm. uh, and that that is the slow um, forward path for example there's a dish called birria that was not part of any Mexican American cuisine Mexican American cuisine was born of the food of the Nortenos uh, in the north of what is now Mexico who found themselves living in America after the Mexican-American War, cut Mexico in half. (laughs) And it's their cuisine that was then evolved into Mexican-American. Birria is a dish that was born in central Mexico, uh, often with goat, uh, sometimes with beef. Uh, I had it there uh, by accident once doing a story on tequila in Jalisco at a small roadside restaurant. And it's phenomenal. What it is, is it's basically meat stew. Right, um, And as birria made its way from central Mexico to the border, to Tijuana, it became beef-based. And in Tijuana, they invented birria tacos, where you take the cooking liquid from the birria, you dip the tortilla in it, you put it on a grill, then you fill it with some of the meat, then you close it, you put more of the cooking liquid on top, you flip it, you put more of the cooking liquid on top. When it's nice and crispy, you take it off. And when served, you're given a small container of the cooking liquid that now magically has become consomme. And you dip your taco into the consomme. And it's to die for. I, I, I'll drive 90 minutes to a truck in South Philly for, for some. That is more and more becoming um, a nationally available Mexican right. dish. That sort of thing is happening throughout cuisines. Um, you're seeing a broadening in available Chinese cuisines as mm-hmm. more and more uh, Chinese immigrants uh, are moving throughout the country uh, at uh, in professional positions or grad school. Uh, there's a Chinese restaurant I know of in Bloomington, Indiana, that has two menus, one as if in China and one Chinese American. And as more and more of the American students sample that, they're going to get a taste for it. I mean, um, right. dry pot, uh, your choice of ingredients in a spicy sauce served in a bowl, is phenomenal, and and it's it's going to become uh, more available. Yeah, and you I may see it. you may see some of the other uh, cuisines such as Thai or Vietnamese or even Peruvian become more mainstream. I think Peruvians got a hard road to hoe they've been trying okay. Peruvian chefs have been trying to make us love that for a long time and we're idiots for not loving that. But any cuisine whose um centerpiece dish is grilled beef heart maybe um uh, may have an ick factor for Americans, but yeah. it's called anticuchos and it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, no, it's a slow burn. I think it's a slow burn yeah. in this country to get them to get into some of this stuff. There's no two ways. I agree with you. It'd be great. Yeah.
1: To- and we will have yeah. fad after fad that last. Yeah, time.
0: that's for sure. Well, that's, you know, with, with all the things you've done, I mean, you, you've met a lot of people in this space, right? You've met a lot and, and I and you've met a lot of independent restaurateurs in America. Mm-hmm. What's some of the commonalities you see with that with that group of folk? Because it's a it's a it's a it's a group of people that wake up every day climbing a mountain and you know, it's, it's just about kicking butt and it's a tough business. And you know, you work your ass it.
1: off yeah. and you have to want to please people. Yeah, You can't, it's not like if you're a doctor and you become a researcher because medicine's great, except for the patients. Um, you really have to want to please people in your gut to be a restaurateur. It's a very hard job. The failure yeah. rate's extraordinary. And the margin is tiny. Uh, I will say that one of the things that made me happiest about diners, and this didn't enter my mind when we started it, but it turned out we were saving many restaurants that were on the verge of bankruptcy. Yeah, I would think so. And I, I feel real good about that. Um, it's, it's just a hard business. And look, part of that, is that America, for the most part, values sameness over quality. Mm. Uh, Applebee's has convinced Americans that's their neighborhood bar. Well, let me tell you, I was a journalist for a long time. I'm highly familiar with drinking to excess, though I hardly drink anymore. But that was not your neighborhood bar. No. No. I've never felt that
0: way walking into one of those. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you there. Yeah. Well, what so over the last couple of years, let's throw the pandemic question into this, right? And and the resiliency mm-hmm. that the you know, American restaurants of this community is, is gone under. I mean, it's been well, you've a lost lot, a lot of restaurants. Lost, I was gonna say we've got a lot of losses, yeah. and there are some wins, but talk to me a little bit. What did that well fi- show find me teaching?
1: a win? Who won? Well, we you still got guys bunch, we lost a bunch of independent restaurants. Um yeah. we've increased um takeaway and drive-through, mm-hmm. which doesn't um doesn't help foster the wonderful experience of eating out, and that has cost, you know, I I'm confused about continually hearing from restaurants that they can't get enough help because um steps taken in the pandemic, such as reducing indoor seating, Have reduced the number of jobs available in the restaurant industry. So maybe it's that servers just gave up and 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 did something else. Uh, No, the pandemic's been horrible, been just absolutely
0: horrible. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Well, and I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier. To some of that, you know, yes, we've had it's been it has been incredibly horrible, and I've seen places in my own community that have suffered. But Mm -hmm. you know, it goes back. I think a lot about the value of food. Right to your point about driving through now that 99 cent burger mentality, which is not value. In my opinion, you know, you can't it's make food for 99 cents. It's not. You can't value food like that. I mean, we, that's where I go back to trying to drive that statement. Yeah, I think it's been an incredibly tough run for these, these restaurateurs that are out there and for the staffs that have been there. I mean, I've seen the decline. You've seen the decline. But I think that if anything, there certainly is a level of resiliency in the restaurant community that I, I don't know, maybe unlike a lot of other businesses that are out there. But these folks, man, it just seems like they jump in front of a lot of bullets all the time.
1: They do. Um, and you have to love what you're doing. Yeah. You have to want to please people. Um, cause if you don't, if you're in the restaurant business just for economic reasons, I- unless you're a venture capitalist, who's bought a chain, um, it ain't going to work. It's yeah. just, it, it, people know, um, I like to have, um, a relationship, ho- however minor, with the people who are making my food i we we moved um uh, five miles recently but that puts you in a whole new circle of businesses and i went yeah. into a pizzeria the other day for the first time and i asked is this family owned and eddie explained to me that he worked there for 30 years uh, until his mentor whose picture was up there passed away and then eddie bought the place and now Eddie's trying to do everything the way his mentor taught him. Okay. I'm connected to that place now. Right. Next time I go in, I'll say hi to Eddie and, and order. And he doesn't make the best pizza in the world. He makes a good pizza. He's in Jersey. It's hard to make a bad pizza in Jersey, but I'll keep going back to Eddie. You know? I love him. So talk yeah. to me. What,
0: what about some of your favorite food spots that you found? Where'd you know? You're a pizza guy.
1: Um, you got a well pizza the the thing there. with pizza is A, it's so regional. Yeah. And B, it's it's um there is a tremendous amount of great pizza in America and a tremendous amount of bad pizza in America. Yeah. And yeah. um here in Jersey we're we're lucky we have a tremendous amount of good pizza. Um uh star tavern in in i don't remember if it's east orange or south orange that it's a bunch of towns we call the oranges makes probably the best bar pie in the world which is a very thin crisp crust um tony um whose name will now escape me. That's really embarrassing. Who owns several pizzerias in Florida, uh, in uh, San Francisco, and is uh, a true great, great pizza maker. Uh, His stuff is great. There's uh, that place in, in Phoenix that's wonderful. There's a place in Jersey City I love um
0: you yeah, can find great pizza Pizza bianco isn't it? pizza he's bianco he's got bianco yeah
1: chris bianco yeah. has pizza bianco yeah. um trying to remember the place in jersey it got written up as the best pizzeria in america and i never believed that yeah I and we were going to a close friend's son's wedding in jersey city and we went there because they were suddenly giving reservations out and you know what it was pretty friggin good. Look, look yeah. it up, Jersey City. I mean it, I'll it, go, I'll, what, what, what else go, What else they do there? they make their own butter. they, really? they have a deal with um, a dairy, and they make their own butter, and they have a dish, which is their fresh made bread with some of this butter topped with caviar. and it is to die for. Just to, especially, you know, and it's funny the context in which you eat the night before had been a wedding, so it was it was fine catering, but it's you know, it's yeah, wedding chicken or whatever the hell it was. Right. And wedding yeah. chicken. <laughs> and the next day we had this unbelievable. You know what? I gotta look them up. Don't 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 we're still here, we're on. Yeah, we're good. Oh, hold on. Look Let's them up, see. good. Hold on. Um Jersey City.
0: Well, pizza is such a unique one, right? Because you can make damn good pizza at home too. You well,
1: know, you can, now it, okay. The name of the place is Raza, R-A-Z-Z-A. Okay, and I am highly suspicious of restaurants that are supposed to be the best of anything. Me too. A- and there is no best pizza, but it um, it's it's memorable. It's really yeah, remember You know what? Memorable's the word. Yeah. Um memorable is is the word. And um yeah, like the uh, Louis Miller's barbecue in Taylor, Texas is memorable. Yeah. It's you know, you, you go into a place and you come out and you go, Wow, that was amazing. That was something. Ate at right? a, yeah, ate at a um a Mediterranean slash Israeli slash um something else restaurant in New York the other day. Fell into it by accident. It was indescribably good. And then I find out after the fact, how did I not know about it? It's the hot, you know, but one of the things, look, I'm going to sound elitist here. There are places and you can forget how good food can be if you don't live in one of them or aren't visiting. There are places where if you just walk into a restaurant, your chances of a better than average meal are better than average. Mm-hmm. new york san francisco new orleans paris naples madrid um I, I don't think i'd include london even though it's got some great food just places of rome obviously where you just fall in off the street and you think to yourself that's how food should taste yeah. um, new york luckily uh, i include in that list and we live two hours from new york our, our daughter lives in the city so we're in there pretty often, and. Um, went to see an old friend the other day, um, NBC correspondent Martin Fletcher, who's been the leading authority on the Mideast forever and is a dear old friend of mine, uh, was having an exhibition at Christie's of notable um, photos of notable stories of his career. And we met up with him and his wife and and just stumbled uh, a few blocks away to a restaurant neither of us had been to before, but um, his wife is a vegetarian. Hagar. So I just looked for a place that had a fair amount of pasta and vegetables, and once again, we had an extraordinary meal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, Rome is like that. Madrid is like that. It's a sure. it's a wonderful thing.
0: Well, like I said, it's memories. It's it's it. It doesn't necessarily.
1: It's the people that you're
0: with. It's the conversations that you're with. It's all of those things that make a meal so much
1: better in so many ways. We had been shooting. In Luxembourg, on a story in advance of the NATO summit, and that is the most boring story. You know, usually when you get assigned the NATO summit story, it's the 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 lead-in story. It's the world's most boring story. So I said, let's do this differently. What's the smallest army in NATO? Well, that's the Luxembourg army of six hundred people. So small that it doesn't have a general. The guy in charge is a colonel and the minister of defense is also the agriculture minister so when we to shoot it we were on the float with him for milk day parade as he tossed milk to the little cartons but it turned out that luxembourg has a highly complicated relationship with germany as a result of world war ii even as germany was taking a leading role in nato the Luxemburgers were saying to us, this was at the at the time of NATO's reunification, uh, of Germany's reunification. The mm-hmm. Luxembourgers were saying to us, eh, we remember. We'll wait and see. So there was there was substance to the story. Anyway, we've had a long day of shooting. I don't know why we're all covered in mud. I don't know where we were shooting. Um, and we're driving back to Luxembourg City from the border with France, And we're hungry. And we see a sign for a restaurant, so we stop. Now, we're filthy. We're we're covered with mud. Uh, As often happens in Europe, the exterior does not reflect the interior. Interior. We walk in, and this is an oat cuisine restaurant. (laughs) We should not have been there dressed the way we were. But the owner was an expatriate from Tucson. Oh, wow. He came and embraced us like we were reincarnated from someplace amazing he gave us a dinner with his private label champagne that i'll never forget yeah that's that that's that's a food memory that was just remarkable
0: yeah i agree i think that's a big part of it i think you know And whether we're sitting around the table with our family, you're sitting around with your roommates, whatever the case may be, you're in the dormant, you know, you're in the cafeteria. Food can be an uplifted experience just by the energy you put into it, the people you have around you, the
1: conversations, all of that. Look at the degree to which food is central to religious holidays. Absolutely. Whatever the faith, you bring people together around food to reinforce their commonalities. Yeah. Um, and in the case of us Jews, to cause tremendous amounts of heartburn. Well, there's that. Yeah, Yeah. I I agree with you there. I, (laughs) I love it. You know,
0: when we think about this country and we think about the melting pot and we think about culture, so much of it's been the backbone of what food is. Whether it's the burger that's behind my shoulder, or it's the Sunday barbecue with your family, or you know, mom's burnt pot roast. You know, I can remember being a kid, my mom making corned beef and cabbage. It's just like the first thing I want to do as soon as she started on Sundays is get the hell out of the house and come back on Monday when it was done.
1: Yeah, I, 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 understand, I understand my mother was the worst cook on earth. Just can, the worst cook. I was an adult before I knew that steak was good. she would cook steak under the broiler on that you know that like gray and speckled thing and it would come out with like kind of a brown gray sludge on top she was a great mom and professionally an excellent accountant but that woman could not cook
0: yeah my grandma was the same way she used to make a she used to make a pot roast i used to think that her pot roasts were something they were using the nhl to make hockey pucks out of it's just like you know just put a black sauce instead of this brown sauce on her grandma, and you gotta you you gotta market for this. She never can well, get it right. But the whole
1: family experience around the table totally choked all of them. Well yeah. the the preface to my book, I tell the story of my grandmother making what she called Jewish spaghetti, which was spaghetti fried with onions in ketchup. And that was her idea of becoming American by adapting. An I Italian dish in a way that was virtually inedible. But yes, my <laughs> grandmother used to make Jewish spaghetti. I love that.
0: When's the next book coming out? What's next for you? What's going I on? I got
1: one cooking. That's uh, about oh a food, food book and you're cooking. Very I'm funny. Cooking it. It. Yeah, uh like working title is eating while standing. It's hot dog carts and food trucks and baseball stadiums and uh, state fairs. Um Nice. It's kind of been pushed to the side a little by the radio show, but I'm getting back to it. Because, well, I can't
0: wait to hear that. I mean, give me, what's the details in the radio show? Give me a little more. Well, it's a syndicated
1: it. show. It's called Martini Music. Right. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you a link that you can put up for our listeners today. We will. We will. What they have to do, it, it, the syndication model is the show is picked up by individual stations. So everybody watching this, listening, Listen to the link and then call your local station and say, hey, guys, pick up martini music. Um, We're in about a dozen markets right now and growing. Awesome. And uh, it's a lot of fun because I start, look, I started in radio, you know, so it's full circle.
0: I think that's fantastic. Well, thank you for being here today. What a great conversation about food in this country, get people thinking a little bit and come from a different perspective, talk about traditions and culture and why food matters. And, you know, again, for me, it's always about trying to drive value back into food and why we need to put energy and, 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 you know, cheap doesn't have to, you know, cheap has a hidden cost and we shouldn't be looking at food from that angle. We should be looking at food of the ways up to lift us and think it can do positively because it could change so much, whether we're feeding our kids right in school You know, to how we treat ourselves, all of it. It's incredibly important. So I appreciate you being here hanging out today.
1: Well, I had a great time. Uh you you uh you direct a great conversation. So thank you. I
0: appreciate that. Well, we try, you know. I mean, it's uh, you know, you've been (laughs) I was gonna make a marry I've been married as long as I have, you take direction quite well.
1: (laughs) I understand entirely, yes, dear.
0: Yeah, it's it's totally the safest, totally the safest. It's a coward's approach, but God love me for being, but God love me for being safe, right? Damn straight. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I appreciate you being here. Everybody, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Remember, go check us out on social media, TLC underscore conversation. Dave, do you know why I'm on social media? Why? Because it's all fact based. It's completely 100%. That's it.
1: Absolutely.
0: I just go there. I just go there because I can't function. Yeah, when
1: we're off the air, I want to talk to you about that Martian landing thing.
0: Don't hold on. (laughs) don't make me pull the tinfoil hat out david you are talking to the wrong cat about perfect
1: absolutely perfect
0: perfect. thanks everybody for being here remember go inspire somebody today it's incredibly important all you got to do is say hello to somebody and be a source of inspiration we can change this planet by doing things a little bit better than we're doing it today take care everybody we'll see you soon thanks